0: Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your team. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say.
1: The questions that I'm going to be uh, answering. Uh, one of these is, is uh, uh, I think, pretty normal what people are dealing with with their kids. But it, the question is this, my husband and I don't agree on whether or not we should make an issue of our children's poor language uh, when they are upset. And um, most of the time, they don't use foul language, but they get as close as they can Is it a battle we should fight? Here's another question somebody said. Hey, you mentioned you talked with Kirk Cameron about exposing your teens to more. What about the emptiness exposure of the world brings? We'll talk about that. Third question, is this less death with pot than alcohol? Uh, But there is a spiritual doorway of attack that is open when using pots. Drugs break down God's protective barriers. Is leaving kids vulnerable to spiritual attack unlike alcohol? And this is from a a comment that I make uh, at a seminar, and I'd love to answer that and talk about the difference between uh, pot and alcohol. Um, The fourth thing is, how do I respond to a 16-year-old who always responds to any suggestions or ideas with a negative response? Like, we're going to do something as a family, and his response is, I don't see why I have to go. (laughs) Probably what I said every time my parents wanted to go do something. And the next question is this. I'm feeling a little bit scared to move into a training model when I feel so comfortable in a teaching model. How do we prepare for that? So those are the five questions we're going to deal with today. Let me go back to the first one because I think this is so important. My husband and I don't agree on whether or not we should make an issue of our children's poor language. And most of the time they don't actually use foul language or swear words, but they get as close as they can probably because they know it upsets me. It's just a battle we should fight. And, and I, this mom says, I think I already know your answer. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's my point. I don't think that it's okay to use foul language in any arena, uh, but understand this. It, it, my, my point is, and I, and I say this all the time. If you begin to understand the world that your child is growing up up in. It doesn't change your standards for what you long for for them, but what it does is seasons you or it helps you change your approach so that when you do approach them, you're doing so relationally to maintain the relationship. Remember this the relationship is the number one thing that will, will uh, introduce your child to change. It's not your rules. It's not your consequences. It's not your restrictions. It's not how strict you are. It's not whether you control things or not, whether you let your child make... It's none of those things. It is the relationship that you have with your child. Now, if you have a discipline problem... You have a relationship problem. And so my comment to people has always been, first do this, understand the situation that your child is in. And this is what you have to realize. Your teen is being exposed to poor language choices every day. It's inevitable and it's unavoidable. And this doesn't mean that it's right. It just helps you in your approach to know that they hear it all the time. And if you're like me, I mean, I say this, maybe I shouldn't say this. No, I am going to say this. If you're like me, I cuss a lot more than I did 10 years ago, than I did 15 years ago in my head. And the reason is because the more I'm exposed to things, the easier it comes for me. And this is what's happening to your child. They are being exposed to more and more. And if you're sitting there going, "Ah, I can't believe Mark just said that. Okay, do you watch movies that you wouldn't have watched? Fifteen years ago, do you say things that you wouldn't have said fifteen years ago? So all this being said, your child has been exposed to things. Okay, so it just changes the way. Doesn't mean you you have to say that it's okay to do that, or you excuse it, or you allow it. I'm not saying that. But they're probably standing on the edge of appropriateness, just to get your goat, or to get you stirred up, or to push your buttons, and. And they are showing some restraint because they're not saying all the words. They're just on the edge a little bit. But they're saying it for a reason. you know. So in, in one sense, if they are doing it just to provoke you, then, Mom, I'd let it go. And, and when you do, they'll probably let it go. Or this is going to happen. If they find it's a way to stir you up, And you get where it doesn't matter anymore. Now they're going to do something even more. And they may make it actually worse. And when they do uh, and start saying words that you don't want them to say, you know, if they're 12 or 13, there needs to be some consequences for using foul language. If they're older than that, there needs to be some consequences for disrespect. Now, at the core of it, you know, there may be bigger fish to fry here if I'm using these little phrases than just their words. I would look at why they're doing that to you because I think that's important. Are they trying to communicate something to you because you're not listening at other times? Are they um, upset? And what are they upset about? Is it something important or is it something not so important? You know, are, are these the only words that they feel really convey their thoughts? Um, but I would go back to the, the question, why are they trying to antagonize you? Uh, Why are they trying to get back at you? And that's where I would start to look at it. Now, don't tolerate the inappropriate words. You know, I have consequences in line if they're speaking out of line. But I would go back and just ask that question of yourself. Now, here's somebody else that said this is from a lady, and she's a very positive lady, and and she's very kind to send in these questions and, and say thanks. But she made a comment that I mentioned to Kirk Cameron about exposing your teens to more, um, and she says, "What about the emptiness exposure of the world brings when exposure to God's bigger realities and truth and Word brightens the the soul's eyes of teens?" And um, let me let me put this in context a little bit. Kirk asked me to be in a movie of his. Um, and um, it was about uh, the Internet and exposure where we were talking about the influence of the Internet and what it's doing on people. And so it, it, so my encouragement in, in all of it is is that as kids are exposed to more, that we play a part of helping them learn about the world that they're going to grow up in. You can either raise your kids to live in a zoo or you can prepare them to survive in the jungle. And I think most kids feel like they are unprepared to enter the world that they have to live in. So as a result, they start to fall apart or make bad decisions. And th- this doesn't mean we need to let kids go everywhere on the Internet and do whatever at any age. I, I'm not saying that. But we need to remain involved in their lives as they get older and older. And and so it's, it's interesting to me that I've once said that I've always – not believed in antibacterial soap. And I've talked about the story of, you know, when when while well, most people have a five-second rule of food falling on the floor, at our home, it's like an hour and a half. Um, you know, it falls on the floor. If it's still there an hour and a half later, you can still pick it up and eat it. And, and so I've always been one that says I'm not, I'm not game for antibacterial stuff. And I think a little bit of exposure is good. Now it's interesting to me that that Kirk is getting, into, is getting into a little more exposure because he's having people gather in California um, and not wear a mask. Okay, I wear a mask. I wear a mask all the time. And, and here's the reason why. Because I'm around people all the time, but I'm also at risk because I have a kidney disease. And so if somebody tells me of a lie and says that the mask will protect me, I, I, I don't care. If there's even a small percentage of a risk, I'm going to do something about it. And my point of it is this. Kids are different. It's okay for a lot of people to say, I don't want to wear a mask. It's okay for a lot of people to say, I want to wear a mask. You know, and, and to me, it's somewhat interesting that, that COVID is spreading like crazy and nobody's getting the flu. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't heard of that. And I really don't understand why Texas is all open. Um, California is all shut down. And yet Texas and California have the same number of cases as well as the same number of deaths. is that crazy? Okay. I don't know why. But my point of it is this. I think that we ought to be exposing our kids to things as they get older and remain involved in their life to speak truth into their life as they're exposed to more. I don't believe in hiding kids. I don't believe in isolating kids. I don't believe in keeping them away from people. We see what this past year has done to isolating kids, from suicide rates going up to the inability to connect. It's, it's disrupted their lives. And I'm not for that. Um, but what I am for is a parent's involvement in the life of their child to continue to speak truth into their life as they are exposed to more and more and more during their adolescent years so they know how to make good decisions when they get to those questions that come up in their young adult years. Are you following me? And so I do believe in exposure. But my point of it is sometimes you have to go, okay, okay, this is too much exposure or I'm not going to take a risk uh, like me. I hope this is all making sense to you. Here's another question that somebody asked. And and the question is in, in reference to a comment that I make that – that there is probably less death with pot than there is alcohol. Now, I am, I am not a pro-pot, nor am I a pro-alcohol. I don't do that. It, it's all in the context of, uh, of dealing with your teens. And if you have a child that is smoking pot, you know what that argument is. They'll say that pot is really safer than alcohol. And so my response has been, You know, when they say that, don't have an argument over – an information argument over which is true and which isn't. It really doesn't matter. What matters is you get to the root of the problem. Okay, we know this, that there's – you know, in the US, there's 95,000 deaths a year attributed to excessive alcohol use. I mean, that's 261 people a day. And we know this that six percent of all global deaths are related to alcohol. Okay, now, I don't know how all that happens. That's a lot of deaths. and 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 the thing about pot is, when people will say, well, people, you know, kids will smoke pot, then they do stupid things. Well, it's really they die from stupid things, and the the pot has kind of caused it. But I don't know, how, you get into a war of words of, of trying to uh, have this information battle back and forth, and I can just tell you you're going to lose. So what I do, instead of espousing all these uh, words, I spend a little bit more time talking about the wisdom of what I've seen. And, And I've said this, the wisdom... You know, comes to you from observation, from reflection and experience, that which I've observed, that which I've thought about, and that which I have observed in my own life. And I can tell you this, the difference that I see uh, with pot and, and with kids trying to justify its use is that teens who smoke pot lose motivation, they have a lack of drive, they're confused at times. They have erratic thinking. and So my comment to them is, hey, why don't we just clear your head out a little bit? Because I don't think it's, I don't think it's right for anybody to be dependent on anything for survival, unless it's medically prescribed. Just like I take Lipitor, you know, uh, because my heart doctor prescribed it. Or I take Toprol for blood pressure or whatever those things are. But my point of it is is that I'm not going to engage in a conversation that's not going to get me anywhere. I'm going to engage in a conversation that's going to help a child understand why I'm concerned. And so I'm not going to have that alcohol versus pot discussion as much as I'm just going to share wisdom that I've gained through the years of what I've seen, what I've what I've thought about and what I've experienced. Okay, here's the fourth question. How do I respond to a 16-year-old who always responds to any suggestions or ideas with a negative response? Like, hey, uh, we're going to do something as a family, and his response is, I don't see why I have to go. Okay, here's a conversation I would have with a 16-year-old. Hey, look, in two years, you get to do what you want. You know, family isn't just about hanging out and taking everything you can because I don't owe you anything, but I want to give you everything. But if you don't want to be a part of our family, then you tell me if you'll lose out on benefits. And that's going to be money and support and inheritance and trips and all these times we get together. So my message is a little bit strong in helping the child realize, hey, family is important. And if you want to be a part, we want you to be a part. But if you don't want to be a part, that's your choice because I'm going to push them to start making good choices. But I would ask the questions here. Why does your child not want to spend time with you? What is it um, that it's so upsetting to your child to hang out with mom and dad? Is there something that you are doing to push him away? Are you boring, you know? Or do you do things to him that, that cause him to not want to spend time with you? Um, When he says, you know, I don't see why I have to go, you know what I would say? I go, you don't. Because what I'm doing is transitioning from a teaching model to a training model. I want them to make decisions. So I'm going to give him more and more opportunity to make decisions. But at the same time, there's going to be consequences with that. If he doesn't want to go out to eat, let him sit at home and not eat. and You guys go out and have a great meal. And come back, and and that's the only way that he's going to be able to see what he's missing out on. Because chances are what he's feeling is the sense that he has to be told what to do. And as he's maturing as a young man, he wants more and more control of his own. He wants to make his own decisions. He wants to take responsibility for his life. He wants to know that I can become independent and not so dependent on mom and dad. And so he's trying to break away a little bit. And then you, quite honestly, there's something very healthy about that. You know, I mean, do you want your child to be always be dependent on you? Well, of course you don't. You, want, you don't want some 25-year-old clown on a couch playing video games. You want him to become independent. And so that may be what he's fighting for a little bit. And so i had give him a little bit more opportunity and have have the conversation about what you provide and what you you won't provide for him, but do so in a way that's very loving and relational so he can process those words, And in, but give him the opportunity to make choices. That's important when you move from a teaching model to a training model. Okay, and here's the other question. Somebody said, you know, I'm feeling a, a little scared to move um, – to a training model when I feel so comfortable in a teaching model. How do we prepare for that? Okay, uh, mom, dad, you need to know this. The, the, the longer you stay in a teaching model, you are keeping your teen from being prepared for the world that they're going to live in because of your fear. So you can do what is comfortable for you and ruin your teen. And so I'm glad you're asking the question, you know, then how do we start making the transition? When because it has been easy. It's easy. That's when they've been giving you t-shirts to say world's greatest mom and world's greatest dad, and they coffee mugs and and they bring you pictures and you know, they do all those fun things that go, man, I've got this thing down. I'm a great parent. And then they turn into a teen and everything starts to change. And if you want to be involved in their life, you're going to have to change also. So the way that you do that is switching from a teaching model, the first 12 years of their life, to a training model. So make that decision. I write about it in a book called uh, Raising Teens in a Contrary Culture. And I spent a lot of time at seminars speaking on this. But you've got to make a decision. Are we going to do this or not? And when you do, you say, okay, this is what it's going to look like. And start determining some areas where you have to let go. Decide which areas of life you know, he or she needs to take on. And look at what you do and figure out what you need to do different. Look at the structure for your home. Are you allowing them to grow up? Or is it are, are you wanting them to remain little kids so they can become dependent on you? Now look at your teen. Identify the problems that you're having with them. If there's an issue of trust, it may be saying, hey, we want to trust you more. We want you to make your own decisions. We want you to start, you know... Um, determining what you do and what you don't do. But we don't think you're ready. So here's the deal. It's not us making you ready. It's you proving to us that you are ready. This is your deal. It's not our deal. You know, we've got to give them the opportunity to make some decisions and point out the ones that we're concerned about. And then when they hear what we're concerned about, then it's their role to teach us, hey, we want to extend curfew we want to do that. We want you to make better decisions. We want you to start making decisions. We we want you to be able to get in the car and go where you want to go. But here's the problem is that you're always late when you get back in. You never do what you say you're going to do, and then you don't contact us to tell us otherwise. And, and so those are the three things. If we can work those three things, we would love to give you more and more and more and I would tell them this, because we don't want you to be some clown on a couch at age 25, not knowing how to survive in this world. We want to prepare you for the world that you're going to be living in. So let's play it smart. And examples of that would be this. You know, I, I mean, I would tell them that, that 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 the my goal is to is to give you more and more responsibility for your life. And so let's meet weekly to discuss that. We'll go get coffee or ice cream. You you pick we'll talk, how are we doing? What's going on this week? You know, find out what they want and say, okay, wh- how do we need to get there? And I will I will commit to helping you get to a better place and, and allowing you to do more things if you'll commit to taking on the responsibility. It's like this. It may be saying, okay, you're 16. Um, you get to choose whether you go to church or not. And, and and matter of fact, I'll even help you with a car. But here's what I'm asking from you, though: is you do at least one spiritual thing a week. You choose. So, see what I'm saying? It's their choice. What you're doing is saying, there, "Here's what I'm lining out and what I'm willing to do." But you choose. And if they go, well, I don't. Why not go the way? Okay, then you're choosing to not get the car. Okay, I'll go to young life or K life or his life or whose life or. You know, crew or the church youth group or something, but let them go somewhere. And the point of it isn't so much about the spiritual involvement that they have, because you've probably done a wonderful job helping them spiritually throughout their life. Now it's helping them be responsible so they know what to do with the spiritual things that you have taught them. You know, it's the same way with money. We're going to give you some money, you make the choices, we're going to give you more freedom. We're going to extend your curfew, and you get to prove to us whether you can show us that you can handle it. And when you can, we will give you more and more. Okay, okay, okay. We'll quit nagging you about academics. I know you're you feeling like we're driving you crazy, but if you fail, what do you want us to do? And you can see the point of what I'm saying is that we are saying I want you to be responsible. I want you to make some good decisions. And basically what you're saying, mom and dad, is that you want them to take all the things they've learned from you and to use it in such a way that they can survive in this world that's really not been for them too much. Hey, I hope this answers some questions as we start out the new year um, and uh, do a couple of things. The first thing is this. Go to parentingtodaysteens.org and sign up for our new newsletter Um, you're going to love this thing. It is just absolutely amazing. The the, the amount of resources that are there are absolutely amazing. You'll get to hear about our other podcast, about the radio broadcast. You'll hear about Heartlight Stories, which is our YouTube uh, channel that's filmed and, uh, and edited and produced by a guy named Alan Carter, who is the director of The Voice. He knows what he's doing. But he's also a heartlight dad. And so take advantage of that. And, uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, there is a new book I have out called, uh, called A Mom's Devotional, Prayers for My Teen. And that just came out. And uh, if it's not on Amazon, you can get it at uh, on parentingtodaysteens.org. Talk to you guys soon.